0: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Andrew Bermudez. Thanks for being on the show, Andrew.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney.
0: Andrew is a former senior vice president with Lee and Associates in Irvine, California, and the CEO of GetDigsy.com. Andrew was sick of the complicated technology solutions and has built tips, tricks, and technologies that are easy to implement yet powerful in the industry. Andrew, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, just tips and tricks. I love uh, hearing about technology and different ways to automate things, you know, just making it easier on our team, but also, uh, you know, even bringing more accuracy to things. And, you know, there's so many ways that technology has helped us, uh, you know, in this business, but I'm looking forward to what you've done and what you are going to present to us today. But give us a little more about your background, you know, who are you and how'd you get to this real estate business?
1: Yeah, so to start at the beginning, and I'll make this really short, I was born and raised in Ecuador, actually. So South America, third world country. Banks went bankrupt. My parents moved to the United States back in 93. And then in high school, I had taught myself how to code. And my parents didn't have any money to send me to college. So I basically was trying to figure out ways that I could make money to put myself through college. Met this gentleman. I was reading a lot of like Dale Carnegie and things because I used to be very introverted. And I met a guy from the Dale Carnegie Institute. And he's like, Hey, I work in commercial real estate. Trust me, come work with me and you will be the most social butterfly ever. So that really captivated me. I did that. And within the first three months, I learned how to cold call in person on the phone and really just got out of my comfort zone severely got out of my comfort zone so i was like a bull in a china closet right and what i noticed the first 3 months working there is that they were like sitting on gold mines and the problem was really trying to sift all of the leads that they were getting from sign calls they were getting they weren't really generating anything via email this is back when we still had we were actively using faxes but i was able to help see some of the pain points from the brokers and it was like hey all of these leads that we get, all these sign calls, we have to put in a prospect report every Friday, and we hate it. It takes us like two, three, four hours. And I said, well, I'll do that for you. And in exchange, why don't I run with the leads that you don't want to work with, and I'll call them. I did that. I built a little program to sift all of that. And with a few clicks, I'd have you know, a report for John Doe, for Phil, for Tiffany, etc. And... What ended up happening is I started looking into email and then marketing properties via email, and then really just thinking outside the box of generating leads on Craigslist, etc. And really, it was just... Really quickly, I became partner, which basically gives you profit sharing and a title of vice president. And a year and a half later, I became senior vice president. And actively, the whole time I was building technologies to automate workflow. And really, what it's akin to is... I heard this saying from a friend of mine who built a couple a few technology companies that he built and sold and i consider him a mentor Cleve adams and he told me one time what's the fastest way to find a needle in the haystack and the answer he gave was so profound he goes you burn the damn haystack instead of looking you know pulling little threads here and there instead of like you know using a magnet this you just throw a match in there you go have a beer come back and boom There's all of the needle in the haystack. So I've always looked at life that way. It's like, hey, you have a problem. What is the simplest or the most creative solution that will actually get you the result? We tend to focus on the process and what we can do rather than focus on the result. Like If you grab the result and you actually reverse engineer backwards, you can actually get to the solution much faster. So that's sort of where we come at Digsy. we look at problems, right? We go, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to make sure I don't miss a deal of people that are searching for commercial real estate for sale or for lease. And I want to know who's out there. So I have a competitive advantage or, Hey, I want to generate new clients to represent. So in a nutshell, that's essentially necessity is a mother of all inventions, So that's what we've done. And we actually, we enjoy it.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's a, such an interesting background and in how you got to where you're at now. And I, I love that quote, you know, the fastest way to find a needle in the haystacks, burn the hay. I mean, that's a great thought process and to reverse engineer things. Like you mentioned, we do that often. Well, how do we get there? Well, we, you know, where do we want to go first and then figuring out, you know, what's the steps to get there? So, you know, Andrew, tell me though, how these systems help, you know, people in commercial real estate.
1: Yeah, it's simple. So you have two sets of people, right? Actually, I would say you have a total of three personas. The first persona is a commercial real estate professional. It can be a broker, an in-house leasing person, a property manager that what they're really interested is in leasing or selling available property. And they want to do that as fast as possible. Then you have brokers on the other extreme and whatever brokers, professionals that represent tenants and buyers. So they don't necessarily market property, But they find people who are looking for property to kind of become their matchmaker and make a commission. And in between, there's a hybrid of those two where they list property, but at the same time, they want to represent tenants and buyers. So we have these tools that basically... One of the big concerns that commercial real estate professionals have is when they have a property... And then all of a sudden they find out that, let's say Amazon, let's say they had that perfect property for Amazon. And then they find out that the building down the street leased to Amazon and they never got the call from Amazon or Amazon's broker, right? The broker's upset because he missed that deal. Now, the other thing that, that's upset is they get a call from their landlord or the property owner furious saying, why didn't we get in front of that deal? And simply the real estate professional goes, I didn't even know they were in the market. So what happens is if you look at the statistics, and this is even in most like listing services, like the, you know, the usual suspects, they'll have statistics on their website, how many visits they get, how many properties are viewed a month, et cetera. And what you find out is that, and this is even Zillow. So the board member of Zillow, Gordon Stevenson is one of our investors. Some of the early guys at LoopNet are investors in our company. And then a friend of mine used to be the chairman and CEO of Realtor.com. And the average number of people that reveal their identity to a broker, meaning that, hey, I saw Whitney's property. I'm going to inquire on Whitney's property. Now you know my name, email address, and phone number. It's 1.2%. In residential, it goes as high as 1.5% on average. So that means that if 100 people look at your property, right, you're missing 98.5 of them. So Amazon could have looked at it. And for some reason they said, you know what? I don't think they'll give us a TI dollars or the picture doesn't look that well, or we need a little bit more land or we need two docks, but it only has one when that landlord or that agent would have been like, dude, for Amazon, we would have freaking dug truck wells like out of our own pocket to get that deal. But you didn't know who it was. So we basically developed a technology where so Dixie in itself is a free way to market your properties right? And market them online. So when Amazon or the facilities manager, Amazon, or when a mom and pop shop is looking for commercial real estate, they'll see the usual suspects in the first page of Google, but they also see, Hey, fine, industrial, retail, multifamily, whatever for sale or lease here. So they find us. It. So it's a way to market your properties, not to brokers, but to market them to the end users. So the buyer, the investor, and the tenant. So that's one way. And that's free. Now, when you have an upgraded account, what it does is Anytime that you have a brochure, a floor plan, a 3D tour, whatever, Dixie gives you this link. And it's basically a trackable link. Think about it like a spy tool almost. So the brokers will basically, when they're sending out an email blast or they're creating a brochure and they're uploading it on a different platform, they'll put these links in the brochure. So like they'll say, okay, here's property A and click here to download the full brochure, click here to view the 3D tour, but they've embedded these trackable links. So when the user goes there and they click on it, they basically get presented a form and they say name, email address, and phone number. Our system, when they're typing in the phone number, it's actually checking with the telecom companies that it's a live phone number. And at the same time, they have to confirm their email address. Now, if they've done this, if that user, that person has ever done this before with any Digsys clients, what we call these magic links, the trackable links, if they've ever done it before, they don't have to go through that process. So it's invisible to them. But then immediately when they unlock the brochure or the, or the 3D tour, et cetera, you, Whitney, you get an email saying, Andrew Bermudas, just unlock the brochure. Phone number, email, name. So that's one way. Then... So, I
0: mean, we could call that person right then if
1: we want. Exactly. And that's the thing. And also, if you see the same person, if you see the same person like opening and downloading and doing multiple things, then you know the intent is higher. Now, the second thing that's interesting is what will happen often is you'll see a person at like this domain. Let's just say it's Amazon. You see this person. So like, let's say Whitney at Amazon, download, unlock the brochure, et cetera. But then you start seeing Joe at Amazon. Then you start seeing, you know, Jessica at Amazon. So that means they're circulating internally. So you pick up the phone and you call them right away because you know there's high intent. But it's a way for you to get intelligence on the 98.5% of people that you're missing. And it basically allows you to not miss any deals and move properties faster too. So that's for the, the listing side. Now what we do is in residential, you have what's called the IDX, you know, the information data exchange. And in commercial real estate, we've never had this. So like if you've ever gone to a realtor website, like you'll see that they show all of the listings in the market, right? And they do that because they know that if somebody runs into the website and starts browsing through property, they want to unlock, let's say, pricing or let's say a virtual tour, they have to enter their information. Now that agent has a buyer lead, right? Well, we haven't had that because there's like 50 commercial real estate listing services in the US and that's just counting. I'm sure there's much more. But none of them have really broken through. And the problem is that data wants to be free and we're already... It's 2020, right? So... The fact that you just build your business around just data that's commoditized and anybody can go and aggregate is a very vulnerable position to be in. So what we said, "is like, look, let's just go out and really build an MLS for commercial real estate. You know, let's give brokers the tools to do their listings on there. Let's let them, you know, present their listings and everybody's listings on their site." Etc. So the brokers we have what's called the personal IDX, and what's interesting about this tool is there's multiple use scenarios, like sending out email blasts, putting a link on your business card that says, "Hey, Andrew Bermudez, XYZ Realty. View all properties in the market by clicking at you know, AndrewBermudez.com or something like that. So then I can view all the properties, and then the moment that you know, let's say Whitney, you're looking at that, it'll the property, you know, pricing or anything else. I get notified that you're in the market or you're curious. So the best use scenario that I've seen, and it's a really creative, is brokers grab this. And because brokers don't leverage Google or Google AdWords, they're buying Google ads against the keywords of people who are looking for commercial real estate. So commercial property for rent, commercial property for sale, commercial real estate for sale, multifamily apartments for sale, etc and they're basically doing they're buying those keywords and then they're sending people to that page in their market of course right they say okay like i'm in tucson arizona they're targeting tucson and the personal idx is focused on the tucson but it's incredible how many leads these brokers are getting simply because they're buying ads they're showing the listings right and then at the same time they're just getting notified like this stranger unlock pricing, this stranger viewed the 3D tour, this stranger, you know, unlock the brochure. So it's a fantastic way for you to not only, you know, know who's looking at your properties, but also find who's looking online. And there's multiple use cases. Like people are using that personal IDX link in Craigslist. They're using an email blast. Some are thinking about putting on their business cards, like I mentioned, but there's just multiple ways. Also putting them on their LinkedIn profiles, like, You know, Some people are using Linktree, they'll put on Linktree. One really interesting guy, and I'm going to give him a shout out. His name is Robbie Lober. He's in his early 20s, broker, and he's in Tampa, Florida, Boutique National. This guy, nobody knew about earlier this year. And he just blew up on LinkedIn, kind of like how you and I met. And he gets leads from... He has the personal IDX in his signature block. So anytime that he emails somebody at the very top right before his name, it says... Click here to view old Tampa listings. But the interesting thing is he's generating leads from his Google free, by the way, free page, Google My Business page. And basically, people are typing in best commercial broker in Tampa and he's popping up. He told me, he called me earlier this week saying that he got a call from a property owner that has these triple net investment properties and wants to sell them and that he found them through Google My Business. It's incredible.
0: Our guest is David Grabener. Thanks for being on the show, David. Thank you, Whitney. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, you have an amazing background that I'm looking forward to sharing with the listeners today. A unique one, that's for sure. Almost a thousand shows. I don't think I've heard of it or any other bio like yours. But David is an innovative real estate investor. He posts practical advice on social media and has helped many investors improve their real estate portfolios, beginning while living in the Congo with $12,500 in a single quadplex in 2014 his chattanooga real estate portfolio is now valued at over 26 million dollars with over 170 units and several large commercial properties which he self-manages david worked with the world food program in zambia and managed a thriving hospital in the congo The skills learned in those settings enable him to bring a fresh perspective to changing economic times. David currently lives in Tennessee with his wife and their four children. David, welcome to the show such a unique background you know give us some details though around in, investing from the congo you know why you started investing in the states while in the congo maybe how you got to the congo and some of that
2: okay so i grew up as a missionary kid in africa i am from the states but when i was 10 i moved over there and then i came back to college and i graduated 2007 it wasn't really a great job market time i went and got my masters and i was still like kind of just what are we doing And my wife, who I met in Kenya, actually went to high school together. Her parents started a hospital in the Congo and they said, hey, can you come over and help us run it? She's a nurse and I had my MBA in healthcare management. So we said, "Okay, let's go on over there. And then we were over there and we were working and I just got this bug of like, hey, I want to be able to work wherever I want in the world and have financial independence and be just financially free. It doesn't matter what the salary is going to be. So I said, okay, how am I going to do that? And I started researching and real estate just seemed to be the way to do it. (laughs) Nice.
0: So it came from a desire to be able to work from anywhere in the world and you try to figure out how can I probably create passive income, right? So I don't have to actually like drive to work every day, you know, and have the W-2 grind. You wanted to be able to make your own hours and be remote and creating your own real estate business sure, you know, is, is a great path to doing that. Tell us some of the first few steps to how you did that. I want us to get to your commercial real estate journey as well, but I think it's just incredible story. You know, from being that far away, you still made it happen investing in the States.
2: Yeah, so my initial goal was very modest. I just wanted to have like 30,000 no. year year of passive income. And I figured I could do that in five years, just by saving up my money, like being aggressive and saving up my money and buying a couple of multifamily properties. Now I had a couple of obstacles. I was living in the Congo. So how was I going to buy properties in the States? So I talked to my dad and we partnered up and we both put in you know a little bit of money and bought a quadplex, but I would be over there like at night and I'd be like searching for more properties. I would be emailing real estate agents and be like, Hey, I'm interested in this property. My, you know, my business partner is going to come take a look at it, all that from over there. And I did that until we got to about 24 units. So I built up to about 24 units when I was in the Congo, just at night, just looking on the MLS, going straight to listing agents, which was a huge key to my success. I got rid of the buyer's agent pretty quickly And just started going straight to listing agents, which is interesting. Now that I'm moving into commercial, that's really common. Like it's really common to go straight to the listing agent in commercial. Like you don't always have a buyer's agent, but in the small residential, small multifamily space, that was like really out of the box for a lot of people.
0: I think that's neat that you brought that up. I think it's very useful advice right there, especially when you're looking at smaller properties. I think most people want that realtor that's representing them right? It's kind of on their side, but I think it's a great point there. You probably found some deals going straight to that agent or seller's agent. What about any other obstacles? Obviously you were a few miles away, right? Different time zones, all that, but it sounds like your father was here, you partnered with him. And so was that a crucial step? You know, obviously having someone here that's probably awake during the same time and could go view properties and those things, you know, how did that work out? And anything else that helps you to close up to, you know, 24 units while being that far away?
2: Yeah. So that was definitely key. Having a partner that I could trust and I couldn't even use my income over there to get loans because they couldn't verify any of it. So all the loans in the beginning just went in my father's name and we had our own little, you know, signed operating agreement, how we were doing everything, but the loans would go in his name. There wasn't even really any record that I owned it, you know, it wasn't on the tax records or anything, but we were just 50, 50 partners. And that really enabled me to do it. And then when I got to 24 units, I decided to move back to the States and start doing it full time. And then when I started coming back to the States and doing it full time, like, okay, I'm going to manage it myself. I'm going to use that income to live off of. And I'm going to grow this by being completely plugged in. And I know a lot of people think of going directly to, well, I never want to really be working in the business. I want to be working on the business. And they don't really want to put in that time. But sometimes if you, you put in that time and effort and grind in the beginning, You can really free yourself from a W-2 job a lot quicker. And I never would have been able to do that if I wasn't just self-managing. And I learned a lot by doing that as well.
0: So that's an interesting point that I don't know if I've heard many people mention before. It's just like by doing it all yourself initially, maybe that's not your long-term plan, but at least initially, let's cut all expenses possible, do as much as we can, just so we can get to that freedom number as fast as possible. And, you know, some would probably say, well, you're not really, you know, it's not freedom yet because you're tied to all those things. However- You are full-time in real estate now, right? You don't still have that W-2. So I would say there's still a lot more freedom there than you've had in the past. So tell us a little bit about your thought process there. Do you plan to do it that way
2: forever? You know, what's your plan, you know, for the future and self-managing or not? So initially it was like, okay, I'll just do for a while, then we'll get a property management company. Then I started seeing how bad property management companies are. I mean, and no offense, the property management companies in my area, I'm sure. I mean, maybe there's some decent ones, but... It is just no one ever is going to care about your expenses and your, your properties like you do. It's just a fact. I mean, I did hear some other person who was talking on some show and he seemed like really good, like, Oh, I was treated like it's my own, but no one's really going to care like you do. So I started growing this and I started seeing I'm being more profitable. It's not only about the eight or 10% you give up on the top. It's all the expenses as well. And expenses is a huge profit center for management companies. So, you know, I started running things a lot less, you know, a lot lower expense ratios than all these other management companies. Like, okay, if I, and I'm making them more profitable, more profitable. So if I give that up, okay, that's going to kind of hurt. So now I'm at the point like, okay, now I need to just build my own employees who can follow that on. And it also started to push me to do more commercial because I realized commercial is a lot less management intensive than multifamily. You know, I can manage myself, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of commercial property just as easily as I manage 170 uh, residential units. It's interesting, the difference. Now, it still works. You still have to do it, but you can just scale it a lot more with a smaller team. And I am kind of focused on that. Like, I'm building my team, but I still want to keep it small. I'm kind of focused on this efficiency, like how much money you can make off of as few of employees as possible, you know, like I think of Warren Buffett with Berkshire Hathaway. They have, I think, like 19 or 20 employees. And they're like, like what the fourth largest company in the world is. I mean, they're huge, but they only have like that. Now, obviously, they have subsidiaries that have employees, but their business of finding other businesses is literally just run by like 20 people. It's amazing. And I am kind of obsessed with that kind of model of I want to have businesses that are efficient, efficient because employees and personnel are just such a high expense. How are you learning that model?
0: Are there, are there, you know, is there books? Is there anything that have helped you to think that way? I think it's very valuable, right? I mean, not only because Warren Buffett does it, but I just mean, it just makes sense, right? You know, to re- operating as lean as possible. How did you learn to do
2: that or think that way? So it really just came from how I was doing things. Like I was doing everything myself, so I was trying to, I was putting systems in place and I was seeing how much I could really do myself. It's basically not listening to what other people are saying in a way, because people are saying, Oh, you can only manage 50 units and then you need to have another property manager. Like there can only be a property manager of 50, hundred max, but I was managing my own properties. And at one point I was managing for another company properties as well. So I was managing 250 units myself, no one else. Like I'm talking doing accounting, phone calls, everything, 250 units myself. So I can tell you it's possible. I know it's possible to get out of other people because I've done it myself. And obviously I don't want to be killing myself for a long time. And I've pulled back from that. You know, I'm not managing that many. I'm bringing people on the team, but I kind of have that high standards of like, okay, I know we can have a property management software and I use Buildium and the way I use it, the way I do my accounting is probably different than just a normal bookkeeper does it, but it's way more efficient. Like I only do my accounting for the property one day a month and I can do all my bookkeeping just one day a month. So I realized, okay, if I can do one day a month, like, so I could have a bookkeeper and if they were as efficient as me, we could be 30 times as big, right? But I hear other people are paying for people, they have like 40 units and they're paying $800 a month for their bookkeeping. I said, how is that possible? You know, okay, they're using a different system. And if you're not using the right system, it's easy to think it takes a lot longer time. I mean, I've looked at different software systems and just recently I was using Yardi because I thought it's better for my commercial properties, but it's so much more cumbersome to use than Buildium. It was taking me three times as long. So I'm canceling that. I'm just, okay, I'm just staying, you know, with building because its system is just that much more intuitive and that much easier to use. But yeah, that's kind of how I'm going that way. I I can't point to any books or whatever that I'm necessarily learning off of. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot
0: from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.